Welcome to Day Beautiful. My name is Adam Vitkavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their life, their book, what gets them going in the morning, and all of their creativity. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net and follow Day Beautiful on all social medias at Day Beautiful. You can support Day Beautiful by going to daybeautiful.net slash shop to purchase a new t-shirt I worked on with Herbie Hickmont, a designer out of Philadelphia. I asked him to create a 1990s library shirt, and boy, did he deliver. Again, you can support Day Beautiful by going to daybeautiful.net slash shop. Before I get started, I also want to thank a donor who donated to Day Beautiful and gave me the opportunity to order new mixing equipment and take a few classes to learn how to make this podcast sound better for you. As you know, I if you've been listening from the beginning, I didn't plan on doing a podcast. It kind of fell into my lap when some... Some people said, oh, I love Day Beautiful, can I listen to it? And I was like, yeah, let's let's make this happen. And then the pandemic happened, and everything has been done via phone calls, which aren't ideal, and then Zoom. But there are still things I need to learn, and I've been a year and a half into this um, process almost, and uh, thank you for sticking with me. Thank you to the donor for providing some funds for me to make Day Beautiful a better thing. Again, I... I do this for the authors. I do this for the readers. I don't do this for myself. I, I just love spreading the word of debut authors. So thank you for listening to me to ramble about books for since 2019, really, when I started Day Beautiful. Um, your support means a lot to me. Let's get into today's episode. I've been talking long enough. Let's do the intro. Today's guest received her MFA in creative nonfiction from Columbia University and she has since held editorial positions at Vice and VanityFair.com. She grew up in South Carolina and now lives in Brooklyn and splits her time in Tennessee. She is the author of Low Country, a Southern memoir. Her name is Jay Nicole Jones. Hey, Nicole. How are you doing today? Uh, we're all um, good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I, I think I'm a big fan of the podcast and yeah so so excited to be invited definitely thanks so much um you have a memoir that will be out by the time this podcast runs called low country and it's subtitled a southern memoir um tell readers about the book yeah uh so low country is um my uh account of growing up the only girl in a large, um, prominent family uh, in the low country of South Carolina, um, mostly around Myrtle Beach. Um, and so it's the story of uh, kind of feeling like an outsider as the only girl and teetering between um, kind of wealth on one side of my family and um, poverty on another and kind of my grappling with the history of the place and the violence within my own family uh, and really figuring out if I can uh, relate to all of that uh, from a, a better perspective and trying to uh, reclaim some, some history for uh, myself and, and the women in my family. South Carolina is a, is a weird place for me because I am from the north, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I've lived out west for a long time. And 
I never thought of the Carolinas as the South, like growing up, but they are, they're very much Southern. They're, they have like a lot of juxtaposition of like very liberal, but very conservative. And Myrtle Beach is known as this, like, I think like, like, like oasis of sorts. Like a lot of people know Myrtle Beach, but it's, it's very Southern. What was it like? And I know you talk, talk about this in the book, obviously, but what was it like growing up in a place that has so many different like ideas being thrown at you as a child? Like it's very liberal, it's very conservative, it's Southern, it's not Southern. What was it like? Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, I mean, really interesting question. Um, South Carolina in particular, and especially I think the Low Country and, and Myrtle Beach have a lot of identities and have had a lot of you know, different identities over the course of history. And some of those have changed very quickly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that a lot of people um, as well, I think have talked about growing up in tourist, you know, tourist towns. Um, and that very much was uh, an additional layer where you felt sort of like you weren't sure what reality was because everything was built to cater to people who weren't from there and very much you know the local businesses as i was growing up were all hotels and restaurants and miniature golf and you know very fantastical things you know you take a you know drive to school and you drive past you know uh giant dinosaurs or pirate ships with Captain, you know, hook hanging off the side. And so there was definitely uh, a sense with all of the kind of layers of, of history and uh, the elements of uh, building toward other people's fantasies that you grow up in, that reality was always very shifting and uh, not, you weren't quite sure of your own identity in this place that um, had, yeah, had only to serve other uh, fantasies, you know? Yeah, it's always wild when I'm going somewhere and like even New York City, and you live, you live in New York, right? Part-time at least, or? Yeah, yeah, I've mostly been in New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So to me, it's like, and I, cause I'm from Northeast Pennsylvania. So I grew up going to New York city for like friends, family. And um, even when I go back now, like once a year or before the pandemic, it's like always a tourist extravaganza. Even if I'm like in South Brooklyn where my friend lives, right. It's like, it just always feels like, I know people live there, but I, it's also like half the people always there are not from there. Yeah. You know, they're, they're there for the weekend. And yeah. I, I just feel like, and growing up in a place like near Myrtle beach, it must obviously, like you just said, um, had to have felt that way. Did you ever feel like grounded? Did you feel like you had a place or were you kind of floating throughout your childhood? I think I, for the most part, I, I felt like I was floating. Um, I think my, my sense of grounding uh, came very much from uh, my, my grandmother's presence. Um, we, my, my, parents and brothers and I moved around a lot around Myrtle Beach you know so it was um a very uh um yeah kind of floating uh shifting childhood and and, and 
was literature a big part of your life as a kid or did that come in later for you? Um, it, it was always a big part, but it was always in an aspirational sense in a way. You know, my, my dad, um, I write in the book, um, his, his day jobs and, and, and night jobs uh, were, you know, for um, the bars and restaurants around town, you know, he managed a, a pancake house for a long time when I was really little and, you know, attended bar and uh, ran a restaurant. So uh, th those are his day jobs, but he always dreamed of being a, a country music um, star. And, uh, you know, he'd get home and, and sleep off his, you know, shift from attending bar. And then you know, we pull out the, the rhyming dictionary and the thesaurus. And, um, and so we were always, surrounded with this idea that literature was, um, you know, and art were uh, something to aspire to and find truth and expression in. But uh, it was a little peculiar because, you know, I, I wouldn't say that um, there was a ton of um, like, what's I guess accepted as literature around, you know. Um, so, and with my, my grandmother as well, she was a huge reader um, and uh, dropped out of, of college to marry and, and, and raise her family. And so there was always the sense of, you know, reading will take you wherever you want to go. Um, even, you know, if, you know, the bookshelves weren't lined with, you know, the Russians or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and and. I guess I'm just getting at, because like now you you are a writer, you've held positions, um, you know, at really reputable places, you got an MFA. Was that a path you even knew was possible for you? Yeah, that's such a good question. No, I had no idea. <laughs> um, I had no idea that an MFA existed. You know, I was the first person in my family to, to graduate um, college to get a four-year degree. And I, um, kind of always knew I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know what path to take to get there other than you know, working at a, a newspaper, which I think I, I interned at a, a small town newspaper for a little while. And, you know, that's, that's fun. And it was um, a good experience with very nice people, but uh, I, I had no idea how to get to um, writing books or, any other kind of career path with that and really stumbled on onto the MFA. You know, I worked a lot of odd jobs out of college, um, just not knowing what I wanted to do. I, I thought, um, I think probably like a lot of kids who, you know, go to big universities, um, uh, you know, when their family hasn't that, you know, I need to find a job that's going to support my family here, maybe be a doctor or something. Um, and just, you know, that wasn't right for me. And so I, I ended up uh, waiting tables right out of college and working all kinds of random retail jobs. And um, I wound up working at a bookstore um, for a couple of years in Boston, um, which I just loved and was a wonderful resource. Um, it's not there anymore, but it's called the Globe Corner Bookstore. And it was a travel bookstore run by just the smartest and kindest um, couple. And um, that really changed my life and my, my outlook. I was surrounded by, um, by books 
all day long. You know, I didn't study literature in college um, and just read. And all of my coworkers were very interested in books and literature as well. And, and several of them were getting their MFAs. Um, this was in Boston. And um, so I, I'd find myself, you know, we'd be behind the register and somebody would have their three-ring binder out. And, you know, I just kind of like, oh, what are you studying? Or what are you doing? What, what's, what's an MFA? And um, from there, started taking writing classes. I started very um, tentatively. I, I think I started taking online classes at first, like with, I can't, narratively maybe, one of those online um, places. And then I, I felt a, a little bit more confident and I started taking classes at Grub Street in Boston, um, which is wonderful. They're such a, a resource. Um, and then I did that for a while. And um, then I enrolled in uh, Emerson College, right, right across the street from Grub Street. Um, uh, offering a, a memoir class over, over a summer semester. And um, I, I thought this sounds really interesting. Um, and I was so intimidated, you know, all the other students, there was like only half a dozen of us, but everyone else was fully enrolled, you know, and had been admitted and I was just paying out of pocket. You know, I just felt like such a, um, yeah, just like a straggler from you know, off the street and was just like, oh, I'm not gonna, not gonna know how to do anything. Um, and the professor was so encouraging and wonderful. And um, I didn't realize at the time he was a, a you know pretty big figure in the literary world and um, or big bigish. And uh, yeah, it was so nice and pulled me aside and was like, you should be doing this. You know, you should enroll. And I applied to um, colleges and yeah, he helped helped me do that and yeah <laughs> so yeah I had no idea yeah and that that memoir class I mean did you know you wanted to write something that became low country or were you just signing up for any class that looked interesting I, I was sort of in taking in all those other classes and in those online classes and at, at Grub Street I took a number of classes at Grub Street like humor writing and travel writing and um, yeah, first person writing, I think, um, so, so many. Um, so I think even in all of those that were, you know, sort of geared towards different, different things, I, I always ended up writing about my family. And I always had a sense um, that I grew up differently than uh, other, other people around me. And so I, um, when I enrolled in a memoir class, it was sort of like, well, I should really just, maybe I'll just take a class that fully explores that. And um, I, I didn't really have a, a sense of, uh, this is going to become uh, a book. Mm -hmm. um, that, was then, that was like- No, for sure. I, feel like I, I, I love, I love yeah. tracking, like, especially debut authors, obviously, like people's paths to publication because it's so interesting and a lot of like the emails or dms i get from like up and coming writers not that i get a lot but it's always like oh like how do i do this and i was like listen i don't know this is why yeah. i ask writers I, yeah. i'm just a guy who has a microphone you know um so you you end up at columbia getting your mfa in creative nonfiction, and i love mm -hmm. asking people who got mfas in creative nonfiction this question <laughs> what is creative nonfiction to you 
Um, that is a really interesting question. Um, I, it, to me, it's uh, stories that are true, but are maybe meant to inform your emotions rather than you know your sense of news maybe I don't know that's a very that might be a very fluffy answer um no, I but, love fluffy answers yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting to me because I feel like a lot of part of what day beautiful is it's like I I'm not in the literary world or I wasn't I I still don't think I am I'm just like I trick people into pretending that they, yeah. like I am <laughs> um, but like this is for it's like a podcast and website for people who love literature but also like don't really know what's going on and, and like I feel like a lot of people like hear creative nonfiction like what the heck is that yeah it's a super just interesting to me and like I've talked to a few people um who you know write nonfiction, write memoirs and they're like you know this is my approach to it um so I guess I'll ask you that what's your like what was your approach once you knew you said like you didn't really know this might become a memoir or a full-length book when did you know? What was your approach once you started figuring out? I have a few hundred pages I could tell here. Um, I, I think after or taking that class at Emerson, um, you know, we had a, a syllabus to go with the workshop side. Um, and, um, you know, we started reading, you know, I guess, yeah, the, uh, I, call, I call them the canon guys. It's almost always guys, but, you know, like we started reading Gorky and then Frank Conroy and uh, Mary Carr and McCarthy. Um, so it was really kind of tracing that evolution of, you know, what is a memoir and the history of literature and what's it look like in 20th century America? And, um, you know, in reading books like that, um, like Tobias Wolf uh, and, um, yeah. Frank Conroy or Mary Carr, I guess, are the, the, the three big ones in the genre. But like, I uh, was sort of like, oh, I, I can do, I can do that, um, which was a very audacious thing to think, you know, almost 15 years later. Um, so uh, it was really, yeah, like, oh, I, this, they're, they're writing about childhood in a way that I'm trying to do as well. Um, and I really liked the, the framework, you know, like you, I think hear a lot, a lot in creative nonfiction classes that, you know, one, uh, one approach, especially to memoir is, um, uh, there's the telling what happened from the point of view when you're in, in the moment in time. And then there's the like doubling back as a writer, um, and, and imposing that perspective. Um, so I, it was, it, it sort of clicked. It was like, I, this is what I'm, what I've been trying to do on my own. Um, so really having the framework of, of reading, reading those books and being exposed to, um, yeah, other people who had, who had done that was like, um, really important. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you mentioned this is like 15 years later. So yeah, almost. Not so quite. almost, so yeah, <laughs> over a decade of, yeah. of writing this. What was that experience like for you? Are you going back to the low country a lot? Are you writing from memory? How's that looking for you? Um, it's a, I mean, 
It's a lot of uh, of writing things down when when I'm or when I was down there visiting family. Um, it's a lot of calling up, you know, relatives and you know saying, "Hey, can I ask you some questions?" and writing it down. It's a lot of pouring over local history books and um, all all of like really trying to understand the story of a place um, from every perspective possible and, and doing the same with, uh, with family stories and then seeing where those uh, overlap, the, the Venn diagram, I guess, of, of those two things. Um, but it has been, you know, it's been different things over the years. You know, when I went to Columbia, um, I, I had in mind a book uh, uh, you know, of, of stories about my family, but I, I think I had um, in mind, you know, the stories in, in essay kind of format um, and was trying to do that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the perspective changes as well, like your own perspective um, as you're writing and as time passes and as you get new information or new stories from different relatives about the same events so i think yeah the the time has actually been um I, everyone's always so eager to publish something right after you get out of um uh, the program which is understandable you know it's very expensive and you think what am i going to do with the rest of my life um so um i, I think though that the time especially for um like a, a memoir was really important for building those not just double perspective, like you, you know, would learn class, but you know, like multiple perspectives on how things happened, and really having those perspectives in conversation um, was important to me. Definitely, and and I was just before we talking, I was on your website looking at like just writings that you've had, and and in two thousand thirteen, you wrote about like what memoirs are then, and for the LA uh, Review of Books, how are memoirs from the time you started this and then started exploring memoirs, how have they shifted from, you know, even like five years ago to what they can do now? Like, do you feel like, could this book have been published then? Or does it, did you need all that time for how memoirs are viewed now, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I love memoirs. I'm a little, I'm a memoir addict. You know, I love, I love novels and short stories and I'll read anything too, but, um, for whatever reason, you know, that kind of first-person writing really um, tugs, tugs at my heart. And so uh, I, re I read a lot of them. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if, I mean, I think a compelling voice and a good story is always going to, um, you know, be, be the thing. I, I don't know that that has changed in the last five or 10 years. But I, I would certainly hope that maybe who gets to come to the table with their stories is opening up. Um, sure. Yeah, I just feel like I maybe just did not read a lot of memoirs two years ago even. And now I feel I'm just, the world is opening so much more. And like, like your memoir, Emma Copley Eisenberg, which people thought was true crime, but it's really a, like a meditation on her life and, and <laughs> yeah. the area and um, to Kara Madden, it's just like, 
it's interesting to me because I, I, I don't know if I was tracking or paying a pub, paying attention to publishing that closely to know like oh there are these a lot of memoirs or if this is a new trend that's kind of like the literary memoir. I, I think I think you're you're right though I think that there have been a lot especially in the last year and looking at this year too there's so many wonderful ones coming out I mean I just finished after aftershocks the Nadia O's book that I was um, very very excited um, to get and I I you know I think there are always trends and publishing you know there are you know waves and maybe we were in a little bit of a, a memoir valley before and I think now we're uh, I certainly feel that um, just the, the quality of the wonderful memoirs that are being published now and that are you know coming out in the next year or two um, is really exciting uh, so I think maybe when I wrote that essay there was a trend towards like rolling your eyes at memoirs uh, which I always think it's funny, you know, um, it's, you know, it's a form that's been around as long as the novel and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, well, I could write about my life that way, or that's, I don't know, it's, it's a lesser creative form because you didn't make the whole thing up or something. And I, I just don't know. I'm very interested. Where does that come from? Um, I, I don't know, but it is really cool to see. Um, and to get to read all of these great books mm. that are coming out now. Definitely. And I, I do feel like you said, it's just new, new voices are being able to come to the table as opposed to like, it's so diverse now. It's so like just these voices are finally being able to tell their stories, which is just a great, a great thing. Um, I, I, I hope so. And to get attention, you know, I think there's a lot of really great um, memoirs um, out there that maybe they come out and then they don't get um, as much attention as, as they should. And so um, really, yeah, widening the lens and um, yeah, just getting the chance to, to read about people's lives is the coolest. So why wouldn't you want to, you know, make that as, as many lives as possible? Uh, yeah, I usually save this type of question till the end, but I'll ask it now just because I feel like were there. Um, what memoirs, you mentioned Aftershocks, what memoirs have grabbed your attention, you know, recently, or maybe ones that are coming out that you're looking forward to? Um, we mentioned uh, Emma Copley Eisenberg's book um, from last year. Um, was wonderful. That's one of those, yeah, books like disguised as uh, something else, which is a thing I think I really picked up in um, working in travel books for so long and like travel literature. Um, like I just, um, they organized um, their bookstore according to region uh, and you know, you know, there'd be shelves for France or shelves for you know, India or shelves for Greece or whatever. And, and you know, right next to the Lonely Planets um, and the, you know, the maps would be um, history books and memoirs or even novels. Um, and I think that idea has really stayed with me of like writing place and a place in time. And so there are a lot of like travel logs that are that are memoirs. You know, this, this is my um, you know Shirley Hazard. You know, and Capri um, is is a travel writing book, but it's also a memoir and it's also a story of friendship with Jim Green. And um, so I just love love that. Um, 
idea and expanding the uh, notion of what gets um, credit as a memoir. Um, there's so, so, so many, um, yeah, like travel books or writing about a particular family member or a particular time in history. Um, so I, I really like that idea. And I think that really um, kind of makes so, so many, many more um, memoirs um, qualified for your question. But um, just looking at the stack I have here on the desk. Um, Wandering in Strange Lands, you know, that's another one. It's a history book, um, but by Morgan Drickens, of course, and it's a, it's a memoir and a story of her family and a story of um, a region. And I just love, love, love that book, um, Girlhood, uh, which just came out. I'm very, very, very excited to read Melissa Pavis' book. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just so many wonderful ones coming out. Yeah, it's like every time I'm looking at and curating the Day Beautiful list, it's like I feel in the past six, seven months, there's always been at least a memoir. And if not, it's just because like the book got pushed from, you know, May <laughs> to April because everything is shifting during the pandemic still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, your book, almost 15 years, publishing, you know, now when this podcast is out, what are you what are you interested in the future? What are you looking to to tackle and write about? Um, yeah, that, I mean, another very good question. I I got a little bit um, superstitious talking about things that I'm working on now. Um, but uh, still like nonfiction though. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, oh, okay, I, yeah. Nonfiction. Re- fiction um, all over. I'll, I'll retract that. Don't even answer Whatever it. works. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you're interested in. So, so that, that answers my question, though. You are interested in many things. And that's, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that that's, um, yeah, some, some writers only write nonfiction and some only do fiction. And I think most people end up doing a little bit of both. Um, so, which is something that I think, you know, you, you get to grad school, you get to the MFA and you're kind of put in one you're a poet, you're a fiction writer, you're a nonfiction writer. And it may be different now, but I always wished that, you know, there were certain requirements for each, you know, like, oh, this overview of history or of poetry, this overview of, you know, fiction. And then in nonfiction, it was like how to, it was like a research class, you know, we'll write a research paper and we'll learn how to use the library. And I sort of always wished that everyone was required to take all three of those classes, you know, because I think that their skills that all writers um, end up using. Um, I agree. I mean, as as like memoirs or fiction or short stories or poetry, everything's blending so beautifully now. Like uh, the publishing is like really allowing things to get as creative as they can. And I feel, I'm shocked if like programs aren't encouraging that. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they are, you know. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And And we talked just a lot about memoirs in general and just writing mm-hmm. in general. Um, and, and as like a nonfiction writer who also does other things, um, do you have an approach uh, to like a specific piece? Are you always just looking for something or do you have something in mind and you're trying to figure out how to get there? Um, yeah, these are such good craft questions. Um, I, I think for me, it's probably different for every everything, you know, like for, um, 
even for chapters within this book, you know, sometimes you just have like a great quote that you know, like this is gonna, you know, be the, the launching point for what I need to do in this chapter. Um, and so like for this book, kind of knowing the form that I wanted it to be and knowing what I wanted it to accomplish um, with it. So I had that in, in one hand and then lots of those little moments of like, um, knowing I had to write about something but not quite being sure uh, and then coming across like a great quote or, you know, reading something and, you know, you just get like a little, like, oh, this, um, this sentence is going to make everything else happen. So, um, yeah, I think every, everything happens a little differently. I want to thank Nicole for hopping on the podcast today to talk about her memoir, Low Country. It is out now via Catapult. You can follow her on the internet at jnicolejones.com or on Twitter at jnicolejones. Pretty simple. It is right there on the book cover for you. Please check out her memoir. It is beautifully written. It is more than a memoir. It expands on what you know about a certain area. It was just beautifully written. And uh, please support Catapults. They are amazing. They put out uh janicole jones book and so many others that day beautiful recommends um so if you haven't heard of catapults and you somehow found this podcast please go research catapults if you love what you hear here at day beautiful the podcast please check out day beautiful the website at daybeautiful.net on instagram and twitter at day beautiful facebook if you're still there just search day beautiful it's there as always i'm adam this is day beautiful and you're all beautiful <laughs>